0: Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm Paul White. It is the 27th day of April, and thanks for making us a part of your day. You can make our midweek teaching session a part of your day as well. We we post this every Wednesday. That's from our Tuesday night Bible study in Flowery Branch, Georgia. We have been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, different spots in that sermon. No, Sometimes no rhyme or reason as to which one We go to next. It's not necessarily that we're moving left to right, but um, covering, having covered most of the Sermon on the Mount, we're approaching. I feel like approaching the end and uh, jump in on that. Check us out every Wednesday, and you can just scroll back seven days on your podcast app and pick up the one that was before that because they're not numbered and they're uh, again they're not sequential, but. Um, I've been getting a lot of feedback from people who have been impacted and blessed as they've been making this journey with us. A reminder that we will be posting the essay edition for April on Saturday. We'll be telling you about the Sunday sermon. And uh, then we will be starting a new book on a new month. May the 1st will mark the beginning of our journey into 1 Timothy. We are in Genesis 49. There was one more thing I wanted to look at in regards to Judah, the prophecy that Jacob gives over his son Judah. Judah, of course, becomes the tribe from which Jesus will be born. And th- that, of course, is centuries, even millennial later. But the prophecy still stands that Judah, at this point, a lion's cub. We know that lion becomes the lion of the tribe of Judah. The scepter doesn't depart from Judah. The lawgiver doesn't isn't birthed from him until Shiloh and I... told you yesterday, I think Shiloh is a person. I think it's an allegory for a person because Shiloh means peace. And until the peace one comes, until the prince of peace comes, um, and when he comes, then he takes that mantle. He takes up that scepter. He becomes that lawgiver. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. That's how verse 10 ends, which means people will begin to obey the singular individual. And this is an interesting moment in the prophetic timeline of Israel because it has a man, a birthed man from a single tribe who becomes the one to whom the rest of the tribes become obedient. And not just the rest of the tribes, but the rest of the world. And so therefore, once again, Jesus fits into this. But there is another prophecy that I think you'll recognize pretty quickly and we're not that far off of the Easter season past the Easter season and so a lot of these little prophetic moments from passion week are probably still at the forefront of your mind when you think about Christ's death burial resurrection and ascension here's one that'll sound familiar from Genesis 49:11 talking about Jesus again remember binding his donkey to the vine And his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. And that basically brings you to the end of the Judah passage. But I know you'll recognize this whole donkey's colt idea because in Zechariah 9 it prophesies that the Messiah would come riding on a donkey. In Matthew 21, when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem for the crucifixion, he rides in on a donkey, which was completely opposite of what you would think he would ride in on, since they were declaring him to be. Messiah or Savior, there's a kingship idea there. And the great irony is that Jesus comes riding on a donkey when the Caesars and the conquerors of the world would come riding on a horse. And so Jesus riding a donkey as opposed to a horse is not meant to be some comic relief, but meant to show the sort of juxtaposition between the pride of the man that rides the steed and the lowliness of the man who would ride upon the donkey and then of course the Zechariah text fulfilled in the Matthew text but what is sometimes missed is that the Zechariah text about the donkey is not the first mention that would be here with old Jacob dying and laying his hands on Judah and saying that the one that's going to come will bind his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, uh, and then that phrase from the end of verse eleven, where he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes, I think is a reference to to Revelation fourteen, um, or well, I'm going to say that differently. I think Revelation fourteen is a reference to Genesis forty nine. It, it's not the other way around. Genesis forty nine can't possibly have Revelation fourteen in its purview. But in Revelation 14, we, we have that famous moment of the grapes of wrath, um, the trotting out of, of, that, of the, the grapes as a representation of the conquering victor of God, where God says in Revelation 14:18 to the angel to thrust in the sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. The angel thrusts his sickle into the earth and gathers the vine of the earth and threw it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the wine press up to the horse's bridles, 1,600 furlongs. And I personally believe that the grapes, the the wine, the blood rather, typified by wine that runs to the horse's bridles and then that has soaked the garments of Jesus uh, the, the conquering one as he comes back. I think that blood is his blood. And I think it's why Genesis 49 says he washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. He's not washing his clothes in the blood of his enemies. He's washing his clothes in his own blood shed for his enemies. You could even say shed by his enemies. And so the Judah prophecy finds its fulfillment in the Zechariah prophecy, in the Matthew 21 fulfillment of the prophecy, and then ultimately in Revelation chapter 14. I hope you can see how this is a fascinating sort of hyperlinked book between, and I don't mean just Genesis. I mean the entire Bible is like this big hyperlinked book with all of these references inside of this book, that work off of one another and complement one another and dovetail into one another. Okay, we're we're not. I'm not trying necessarily to work every single one of these kids in this story, and we really just have a couple more days. So what we're going to do is sort of bring us up to Jacob's death and bring us up to to Joseph's death, uh, getting us on out of the book of Genesis. All right, we'll start that work tomorrow. We'll see you then. God bless.